Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath January 21, we look at Lesson 3, The Tithing Contract. Together, let's see what happens when we're faithful unto God in response to Him being faithful unto us. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. All right, here we are, Lesson 3, The Tithing Contract. And Michael, our uh, memory text is taken from Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. I think we went over it briefly last week, uh, and it's one that we're probably all familiar with, but it never hurts to review. Mm-hmm. Bring, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be be room enough to receive it. I, you know, I have that memorized as a kid in King James. So it's very hard not to say meat in my house. Right. Hear me now. Yes. Right. So it's a, it's a good, uh, it was, it was veggie meat buster. Exactly. There we go. Uh, so Michael, what your, what are your, uh, initial thoughts as I read that? Yeah. You know, I, I think this is oftentimes, a passage that is quoted, but not necessarily always very well understood. Uh, right? There we go. And so this is, this is kind of a, a fun passage because it's an important concept to how the church, how the seventh day Adventist church functions today, you know, is, is right. the system of, of giving that enables to further the support and mission of the church around the world. And so, um, understanding a little bit of this biblical background, biblical basis for this um, is really is really quite important. You know, I, I'm really excited for this lesson and our listeners because there is an ideal situation that should happen, which is every member of the Seventh Adventist Church returns a faithful tithe, and then there's reality. And Michael, mm-hmm. you're probably more keen on the numbers than I am, but last I heard, I think it was at thirty. 30% or a third of the church is actually faithful tithe and offering givers. And I think for me, I think that number has probably fallen even more just over the years. Uh, but I don't have the data to back that up, but we do have the data for the about 30%. Yeah. You know, it's, <clears throat> it is very interesting. How do you, how do you get those metrics and numbers? There's a lot of different ways right. that people, I mean, this is what I'm spending a lot of time <laughs> working yes, yeah, on. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Statistics. You're, statistics archives. Um, it, it does vary a fair amount, but um, what is really quite surprising is when you do some uh, number crunching is church giving is, is higher than a, what might be typically expected. And I think that's one of the things I comparing agree. comparing some of those numbers. But that's not saying that I couldn't you know, imagine what would be possible. I mean, even the early Amethyst pioneers, even Ellen White, you know, yes, yes, had yes. sort of this uh, – you know, hey, we could do so much more if people saw and and, and understood this this biblical concept of of systematic um, giving and so, how significant this is. So, so Michael, it's it's interesting you share that because uh, part of those numbers are probably skewed because you have people still on your books 
mm-hmm. some that have passed away, some that have died, some people that are yeah. no longer attending, and they're counted as not non-tithing members. But if you look at attendance and mm-hmm. uh, tithe givers, the numbers are much higher and better. And then I think of myself as a pastor, uh, the churches I've been at, uh, I had a, my first church, it was probably about 75, 80%. And then my second district, I had two churches, one church, it was that almost 80, 20, where 20% of the church was giving and then 80% of the church wasn't, but we had so many transient people that it was hard to tell where they were returning their tithe to. And then mm-hmm. uh, my last church at the Crowley Seventh-day Adventist church, I'll just share the name because I'm very proud of what they do. Uh, they, I had a hundred percent of a return tithe of family units. Right. And so that was an incredible feat. And it, I just talked with a pastor that's there now that still happens. Uh, and that's amazing uh, to think about. So I, I do believe God's people are faithful. So this is not the turn of saying be faithful if not. Right. Um, but it is a call. So I, I just want to bring that up and, and get it straight into it. So Michael, Tell us about uh, Sunday's lesson, and I believe it's called the tithe equals a tenth. Absolutely. And I think this is where it's fun to get a little Adventist history in here um, because, you know, the early pioneers, that's where they were struggling. How do we further the mission of the church? And and people were going hungry and evangelists yeah. were going without necessarily having clothes and resources that they that they needed. And it was actually getting to be a, a bit embarrassing. Right. So. Um, so they came up initially with a, a, a plan that uh, of systematic benevolence, they, they called it, right, of <clears throat> that you would give based upon how much land that you owned. And so there was these kind of percentages and, and, and it's like a formula. And everyone was really accept, excited about it. And Ellen White's like, hey, this is a great plan. And she endorsed it. And then in the 1870s, they started doing more Bible study. And this is where Sunday's lesson comes in that, hey, actually, there's a, a biblical model, I'm not saying that this is like infallible for the church at all times in all places, but they're trying to right, look for a biblical right. precedent, right? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, 10%, just give a flat 10% of your increase, right? And so that's where we get this um, from the story of Melchizedek in Genesis 14 and Hebrews 7 refers back to Melchizedek, right? A paying tithe and Abraham paid tithes through Melchizedek, this whole idea, Um and they said, oh, wait a minute, this is a great idea. It's actually, there's a biblical precedent for it. We should try this instead. This might be better. And then people are starting to quote Ellen White back to her, like, hey, you endorsed the previous plan. Yeah. <laughs> so, how, you can't how, change how, your mind. <laughs> yeah. How, how how dare you, basically, right? And, yeah. and Ellen White's like, well, that was the best we could do at the time. It was a great start, but but this is even better now. And so she throws her support behind the whole plan of, of tithing. It shows sort of a progression development of ideas, but, but certainly there's a biblical precedent of, of, of 10%. That's what's talking about Jacob. Same thing, you know, um, is, is this idea of tithe, meaning 10% or returning a 10th back to God, um, back to what he's already entrusted to us, right? We're just stewards. We have these things, we return them to God, but this is part of, of uh this sort of thing and and i think this is important to to understand hey there is a biblical precedent and the idea being hey we we give back a tenth uh back to him i love that so so if you are giving back a tenth or you know whatever but but this sort of biblical model um this leads naturally segues into monday's lesson which is to bring it into the storehouse so uh buster (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Talk to us about the storehouse. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, 
Malachi 310, which is our memory text once again. And it asks this question. It says, where's the storehouse for Monday's lesson? And it says, what can we learn from this verse about where our tithes should go? And I, I think we, we, we realized something that it's meant, and I, I'm going to read this uh, quote at the beginning of the lesson here. Uh, Though specific directions are not given in the text, it is nevertheless evident that God's people knew what, what he meant by the word storehouse. Uh, and so this was supposed to be this place where the people would give, and it, it, it clarifies a little bit more here in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 5 through 14. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, just highlight this. But you will, uh, but you shall seek the place where the Lord God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place, and there you shall go. There you shall make your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave, uh, the heave offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your heads, uh, herds of, of the flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord God, and you shall rejoin and uh, rejoice in all to which you have put it, uh, put your hand, you and your households in which the Lord God has blessed you. And so we see here the correlation that's being made, Michael, of the storehouse and being God's house, uh, being aimed or pointed towards God. It's not something that's in your backyard that you save up for yourself and decide uh, to give when you want to give. Uh, which I, I say that because it's become a popular notion, uh, especially amongst, I would say, my age group. Uh, I know several people that are, for whatever reason, disgruntled or they just have a better idea of what they would like to do with money. And so uh, they take 10% of all their earnings. And at the end of the year, they go out and they hand it out how they like to. Right. Uh, and right. I'm sharing that because the biblical concept here is that the storehouse is meant to be that there will be room in my house, right? And then if you bless my house, I will bless yours. And so I, I want the audience are to understand this concept and this idea of that this is supposed to go to the church, mm -hmm. right? And it's supposed to go towards, and we'll talk about a, a little bit better, uh, a little bit more here in just a moment of what that's supposed to be used for, but right. we're called to be faithful no matter what and say, God, here it is. And, and Absolutely. So, so, Michael, that, that actually leads us to Tuesday le Tuesday's lesson. What is the purpose of tithing? Yeah, so, you know, it's it's I think it's pretty clear. It's biblical, what we've talked about, the 10% or a tenth. And, and then it goes back to the storehouse in the case of returning it to the church, which usually goes to the conference and stuff like that. And, you know, I was just thinking as you're talking about that, Buster, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, it just goes into some kind of like black hole, right? That just disappears. <laughs> and and I, I think that's that's important for us to understand that, yeah, in a way it might disappear in the sense that we don't see how every penny, how every penny is distributed, but but it does go ultimately for the work of the church. And, and um, <clears throat> Leviticus 27, verse 30 and numbers 18, what they're talking about in those passages is that it support. Well, first of all, Leviticus giving a 10th of, of, of the increase of the land, right? So that's that 10% again, but, right. but then it talks about the Levites. That's, that's the passage in numbers. It talks about, I'll give it to the Levites and, and who were the Levites? Well, we don't have Levites anymore, Buster. I mean, you know, we no. don't, nobody's walking around in robes and offering sacrifices, but it is, 
you know, what was the function of the Levites within society, within the ancient Jewish, um, the, the ancient Israelites, right? And that was that they were the spiritual leaders. They were the, um, they're the ones that are uh, leading out. And, and we don't have a perfect correlation to that, but probably no, the don't. closest thing that we have would be the, those that are um, studying the Bible. And we're thinking of pastors and ministers now, right? Right. That, um, maybe Bible teachers, right? Um, right. Um, sometimes chaplains, those kinds of roles that are spirit, providing spiritual sustenance and nourishment for for the for those that work in the church, and and it's those biblical guidelines that form the same guidelines that the denomination, the Seventh Day Adventist Church, uses today as to how tithe is used. It's not used for, you know, um, buying, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't want to put anything specific out there um because i'm not trying to to i i know i know exactly where you're you know going, what i mean I, yeah i'll, like, I'll paint i'll I, paint it because i i think I, i'm a little right, bit safer right. which is all right, all right. No, no one up, no one up, no one up top is buying a 50 million dollar household with the tithe offerings that's that's given uh yeah no, that's no, that's yeah. the point yeah, i was gonna no say one, they don't buy a fancy car for themselves but but, you know, people can choose how they spend their money themselves. And then exactly. I, I don't want someone to go around and say, oh, well, I found a church leader somewhere that had a car I didn't think they should have. No, no, that's not the point. The point no. is, is that that it's used to support people um, and to support the work of ministry going on overall. And and so that's that's what it's about. And and that's significant there. It's huge, yes. Yeah. And and some people, I, you know, I think part of it is we live in a very individualistic age. So yeah. I like to control how my money is used. And, and that's that's actually a little bit of a, a, a challenge because I think God actually wants us to kind of surrender. And even all the way back to the early Adventist pioneers with Ellen White, people were disenchanted. I don't like this conference president. I don't like my church leaders. I don't like my pastor. So I'm not so going to send my I'm not going to send my tithe. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And and Ellen White actually gives the the point that one way that we support the church and even those we dislike or disagree with is to continue by being faithful. And, and sometimes people that people would send tithe to Ellen White and she would basically say, you know, hey, she'd return it back to them and say, you need to support your local church leaders. There we go. And and, and that's that's significant, I think, in, in my thinking as to how all of this works. So, right. And, uh, but God is still in charge. And one of the reasons Mm -hmm. why we have one of the largest world churches is because we are still huge on mission and our church would not be the size that it is. If the tithe dollars that we send from our own pockets did not go forth towards the world church, not just the North American or the South American, but the entire world church. I have yeah. uh, many friends right now that, that are serving as missionaries and they're benefiting from the tithe dollars that go out because they wouldn't be able to, to, to sustain what they're doing overseas if it yeah. weren't for our tithe dollars. Now I'm, I'm really proud of our seventh day Adventist church and, and, you know, in my, in my role, archive statistics and research, one of the things I'm trying to do is figure out good statistics. Right. right. And, and how much of the money that say, a person in a local church, say Crowley, since you mentioned the Crowley Church, and I love the Crowley Church too, have good memories of our time down in Texas and, yes, sir. and I know good faithful saints there. So they're they're putting their money into the offering plate and their tithe and they're putting that in the envelope and stuff like that. And it goes up the food chain, so to speak, goes to the conference, right. goes to the 
goes to the union, the division, which mm-hmm. is where I work, that goes to the general conference and stuff like that. And and I think a lot of people think that, um, you know, a lot of that money just gets sucked up and they never see it again, right? And so it doesn't really benefit them. And, and actually what I'm discovering, and I'm still trying to figure this out, so I don't have like the exact numbers, but I, you know, I've been kind of listening and talking to different church leaders, you know, what about this and what about that? And, and, and I think we need like a, a clearer breakdown on how all of that works. But I think the perception is, is that, you know, like 10, 20% stays at the local church and benefits me at the local church. And then 80% just disappears and I never yeah. see it again. And what I'm discovering Buster, and I don't have the exact numbers, so don't hold me, you know, um, but I'm trying to figure this out, and I'm going to try hold your feet to the fire. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to get this this information out as appropriate and as it's you know vetted and stuff like that. But what I'm discovering is actually the opposite. It's like 80, 90 percent benefits the local church, the local conference, all of those kinds of things. And it's only a small amount that actually ends up at the going up the food chain. I, I think it's it's like three percent or four percent. Um, ends up being used by like the GC and the NAD and stuff like that. So, so if you start adding that up and then how much actually goes back, it may even go up to like the union or division, but a lot of that actually filters back through evangelism and through different kinds of things. And I know some people I say, well, Michael just works for the division. He's just trying to tell them the no, best possible no. spin or whatever. Yeah. I really mean it, Buster, that it's really, inc- it's incredible how efficient our church structure is and then trying to maximize those funds. And think about it, you know, if every local church is just doing what they want, where would the money be for those missionaries to do pioneer right. mission work? And there is still, Buster, um, incredible active pioneering kind of mission work that's happening um, both in North America and in other parts of the world. And that's exciting that our church is set up in a system that can do that. Anyways, I, I just think it's important no, that people true. realize, and, and if you compare that to some organizations where a lot of it gets swallowed up in administrative kinds of things, it's yeah. it's really, it's a blessing. It's a blessing how the church, and so I'm proud. I know it's not perfect. And I know that because I'm not perfect, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in terms no. of the church, but but I am thankful. I'm thankful that that we do have, a way to contribute in 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 a uh, in a way to the mission of the local church and the worldwide church as well. Which, by the way, raises kind of a question, Buster. Yes. Um, and I've never quite figured this out myself, you know. Um, and I, I think a lot of people kind of, you know, do we do we tithe on the gross income or do we tithe on the net income? I, I think some people think of this like the uh, uh, it's it's kind of like the Roth IRA. Do do I pay my taxes now or later? Right. <laughs> do I prepay or do I, you know, and so a lot of people are kind of wondering, do I, do I take that total amount or is it the, just the, the, you know, after I get the mortgage and all those other payments and taxes, do I pay the tithe after that? So help us out on that, Buster. You, you know, Michael, as, as we move forward, I just want to say another blessing real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I was talking with another, a, f- a friend of mine who's a pastor in another denomination. I won't, uh, well, I'll say it. He's a, He's a Baptist minister, and mm-hmm. uh, the, their their money structure works completely different. Uh, they get a, a a salary from the church, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like, it's it's a pretty significant one. He's like, he gets a uh, I'll just throw the number out there. He gets a uh, eighty thousand dollars from his small church. He's like, but he's solely responsible for all of his benefits and for his retirement and for his you know his insurance. And so he said. 
when he pulls all that out is actually significant less uh, amount less. And so I, I want you to remember this, that your pastors, uh, your teachers, they're taken care of with benefits, which actually adds more. So a lot more does go it back does to the first level. And what's so beautiful about that, Michael, is that yeah. it doesn't matter how big or how small your church or churches are. Uh, we're basically all essentially getting the same thing. It doesn't matter how high you climb up. Uh, what changes is, is, as well as it should, is cost of living adjustment. And so someone who's living in California or someone who's living in uh, a very expensive place to live, they're going to receive more because it costs a whole lot more to live there. And so yeah. I, I love yeah. the system we have once again. And, and so it brings us to this question. Uh, do we tithe on our gross or do we tithe on our income? Uh, and I, I, I have this here at it's in Wednesday's lesson. Studies of memberships giving habits reveal the majority of Adventists tithe on gross income. That is before taxes taxes are taken out. In fact, according to tithing principles and guidelines published by the General Conference in 1990, it says here tithe should be computed on the gross amount of wage of the salary income before legally required uh, or another employer authorized deductions. And so mm -hmm. we should be tithing on that, that gross, but then it gives biblical background for this as well. First Kings chapter 17, first uh, Kings chapter 17 verses nine through 16, arise and go to Zarephath, uh, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I've co commanded a widow there to provide for you. So she arose and we see here what she gives. And I, and I love this portion here. Uh, verse 12, so she said, as the Lord God lives, I do not have bread. I only have a, a handful of flour in a bin, a little jar of oil. We remember this story. Right. And, it, and then uh, it goes on. It says, and Elijah told her, do not fear and go in verse 13 and, and go and do as you have said and make me a small cake from it and bring it to me. And afterward, make yourself, uh, make yourself and your son, uh, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flowers shall not be used up, nor shall the uh, jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so, in other words, take care of God's ways first and what the Lord has commanded first, and then he's going to come in and he's going to bless you. And so we see here some biblical background of why we should tithe on that gross. Uh, in other words, don't return to the government before you return to the Lord. <laughs> uh, and I know it's tempting to do so, but uh, if we want to be faithful, I believe it's great counsel to to give off that gross. And you really cannot outgive God. Uh, you really cannot. You know, I think we talked about this last week, but it's it's kind of this idea that um, when we engage our whole hearts in the work and catch a vision of what God is asking and 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 what a privilege this is is where i'm headed with this is right. that we're not trying to be like how little can i give it's like wow lord what a privilege that i have the opportunity to give this return this to you right and and i think that's that's part of um this whole concept as well yeah i love it michael and so uh take us there michael to thursday's lesson an honest yeah. or faithful tithe Absolutely. We can try to fool ourselves, but at the end of the day, we can never fool God, Buster, you know? Yeah. And First Corinthians, which is the series of epistles by Pastor Paul, and in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, but the end of verse 2 is the key thing here, that 
those who've been given a trust must prove faithful, right? So, right. so God's asked us to do this, um, and He's He's challenging us, right? To and and He wants us. He wants us to to live up to those expectations. You know, we we don't we don't tithe in order for for God to love us. He already does, but but to prove faithful is is just it's evidence that relationships already there. Hey, That's very I true. want to do that. Just like when you fall in love with somebody, you know, I don't I I don't have to um oh man, I have to do this again so Once that again, my wife will love me, right? It's not it's not obligatory. <laughs> you know? I prove faithful, you know, I bring right. flowers and those kinds of things that you do in a relationship and say I love you, communicate those things. Those those that's proving faithful because there is that relationship there. And uh, Matthew 25, Matthew 25, verses 19 to 21. And, and you have one of these, the, the parable, right. Of, of the, of the different, um, the different servants who some bring back different amounts. And, and at the very end, the one who is truly chosen, who is recognized as being faithful because he, he had those five bags of gold. He didn't just hide it away and bury it in the ground. He actually, multiplied those those things and and brought that back to the master and he says well done good and faithful servant and and i think that's what the words that we want to hear from jesus if if we could talk to him right now we we do have the privilege of talking to him right now through prayer but but if we could hear jesus you know when when we have the privilege when we're in heaven we could actually talk and walk with jesus right? right we want him to be able to say of us well done good and faithful servant. And I think that's that's part of what it is. And and really what a privilege it is to be a part of that. I love it. Uh and the reason why I say that, Michael, is because mm-hmm. when I say you can't outgive God, I have so many testimonies from not only my own life, but other people of mm-hmm. their lives being turned around when they've actually decided to return a faithful tithe. Uh mm. and and this is a, a test for you that are out there. And I was talking to someone and I'll be very candid right now uh, who said, you know, I went back and I calculated all the money that I give to the church and my kids are in church school and uh, I returned tithe. And uh, I mean, they just went through and they said, I, I added all the numbers up and they said, you know, uh, I afterwards I'll, I'll give millions of dollars to the church and he said, and, and what benefit have I received? And I, and kind of in this conversation with them, I had to share with that person. I said, you know, I, I, I know what you're saying and I know where you're going in your mind, but that is a very anti-heaven thing to think about because every tithe dollar that we send, every amount of offering that we give is not meant for us, is meant to help our hearts grow towards a love for God and uh, I love that song that says, thank you for giving to the Lord, because in heaven, we have no idea how many millions of people will come because we're faithful and simply returning a tithe and offering. Right. Absolutely. And I think there's one other thing I want to kind of mention is, is that as people return to the Lord, their tithes and offerings and church workers do that, too, as pastors. That's yes, what we, ha- we do. Absolutely. Yes. If, if we do. don't live it out ourselves, you know, then, yeah. then we're in trouble here. Right. So. But I also think it's important to understand, having spent some time as a pastor, some people, I think, get this idea, I give 
my tithe. So then the pastor works for me. (laughs) (laughs) Please clarify it, Michael, please, please. And, and, and I've even had some people that are very well to do and, and their tithe is more than the pastor's salary. So they're like, well, I give more than what the pastor makes. So I, the pastor definitely works for me. Right. He needs to listen to me and do what I do as I say. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to understand that ties are returned to the Lord. That doesn't mean the pastor works for you. The pastor works for the Lord. And that means that um, when you when you relinquish that, you're not you're not paying your pastor's salary. You're returning that to the storehouse. You're returning that to the Lord, to the work of the church, the work of ministry. And you trust that God will lead and bless and through the efforts of of your pastor and the other people that work in the church, that all of them. Uh, that that this is part of of a system that uh, has biblical foundations and that we work together Amen. to advance the work of the Lord. Amen. Michael, I appreciate you say, sharing that and saying that. And I think that wraps us up for this week. Yeah, that puts a wrap for another week. We're trying to get a hold of our Sabbath school quarterly contributor. And he's told us he's going to meet and talk with us at some point in the not too distant future. Watch for a special bonus episode uh, with, a, with a feature uh, talking with uh, Elder Ed Reed. So can't wait for that. And until then, this is Soup. And Swoops. Signing, signing out. out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.